Welcome to the Transcending Sport podcast with Rob Cruz, an audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Cruz. The podcast is Transcending Sport. My guest is Coach TJ Lopez from Athletic Movement Protocol, also known as Amp Sports Performance. Here on the island in New York City, TJ, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Rob. It's always a pleasure. And TJ has been obviously been on the podcast a couple times before. You guys can go check out those episodes as well. So you know that's why his introduction was wasn't what it, what a normal introduction was because he's not new to, to transcending sport. And um, I just wanted to catch up with TJ. Um, I thought about him because. One of his clients, um, CC Sabathia, is actually play, playing in the world, playing in the postseason for the Yankees right now, and we we all have our eyes on him as he is a uh, it's probably going to be his last year. I'm thinking, um, but you never know. <laughs> Let's just hope that this is not his last week. I want to you know keep extending it into next month, into next week. Mm-hmm. Um. So TJ, let me know. Tell me. Talk to me about. Um, programming and 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 um what what you got going on new over at over at athletic movement protocol i know you've been doing the throwing program um was this the second year or third year coming up for the throwing program or so this is actually i believe we're going on year six we started um back in 2014 was the first year that we ran it so this is either year five or six it goes you know it wraps around the, the new year so um I would say the biggest focus for me and, and for my staff right now, um, you know, Coach Kyle Anderson, who's my head coach here, uh, Coach Rob Biter, uh, who's one of our sports performance coaches, we, we've been, been, you know, really, you know, focusing on on encouraging athletes and, and kind of, you know, uh, really motivating athletes to train year-round uh, because we're finding that there's – there's a huge focus on off-season training for most athletes, mm-hmm. right? They focus on like the three to four months before a season starts. So if we're talking baseball or softball, we're talking, you know, December through March. Yeah. Um, so that's always obviously the, the time that they're able to devote to their training, which is really important. Um, and that's what we're going to focus on, you know, establishing a foundation of, of proper movement patterns, you know, whether, whether it comes to uh, whether they, they need to work on flexibility, whether they need to work on, you know, core stability, posture, uh, you know, fixing any type of uh, movement flaws they may have that might be causing pain or injury. So those are all things that we're definitely going to be focusing on uh, in the off season. Um, and then as we go, obviously, we're working on building strength, power, explosiveness, uh, you know, sport specific movements like rotational exercises. Um, and then that's something that we're, we're preparing them to, you know, pretty much have the best capacity of strength, power, mobility, um, athleticism as they will have all year. Now, that's obviously extremely important um, those four months of the year. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go into the season and all of that strength training and preparing your body, if you're doing our throwing program, you're preparing your arm, you're wrapping yourself up, if that goes to the wayside, once the season starts, then after a month to six weeks, you start to see a gradual decrease in their power, their, their strength, their mobility, whatever it is that, they're, that they were looking to fix in the first place. So it's actually 
in some cases, more dangerous for an athlete to gain speed and power in the offseason and then stop training altogether than it is to not train in the first place. Yeah. And that might sound like I'm kind of like, you know, going against what, what I preach, but it, it really it really speaks to the importance of maintaining some level of, of performance training year-round. Now, I'm not saying that that requires you to train every single day. It doesn't require you to train, you know, three, four times a week. And it also doesn't require you to be sore. That's a big thing that a lot of athletes are, are worried about. Am I going to be sore in season? Um, the answer is no if you're programming correctly. You want to make sure that when you're in season, we're going to be working more explosive movements. We're utilizing the strength that we've gained in the off-season, and we're also maintaining that. In some cases, we're actually getting stronger as the season progresses, especially a younger athlete. They should actually be able to focus on continually getting stronger because they, they don't have many months or many years under their belt of training. Now, athletes that are older, that are probably, you know, go, have gone through our program for a while, it's more about maintaining. Yeah. So again, you need to challenge your body. Your body adapts to what you stress it with. So you want the stress response to be a specific one. In order to you know, gain uh, power and speed, you need to work those attributes and those, those capabilities and those capacities on a regular basis, especially things like speed and power. Um, you know, uh, strength coach Cal Dietz, who wrote the, the book called uh, Triphasic Training, has some great information on the different capabilities and, and attributes that an athlete will have and how often you need to train those things so that you don't lose what you've gained in the offseason. And s- speed is one that after about seven days, you start to see an attrition of their power and their speed. So if you don't train speed and power, speed of the body on a, on a weekly basis, speed, speed of the body. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if you don't train those things on a weekly basis, you will over over the course of a few weeks be weaker and less power. So you know, obviously, when it comes to performance, our goal is to peak in the playoffs, not just barely make it there and just barely survive the season um you know one of our kind of sayings and we have it up on the wall is don't just survive dominate and that requires some semblance of consistency and sustainability when it comes to your training obviously training is one aspect there's nutrition there's sleep there's recovery all of those things are very important as well there's your mindset there's you know staying motivated and staying focused on the goal and the task at hand but consistency is the underlying backbone and the foundation that all of this can 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 live upon. Um, you know, we, we we kind of stress it and we we kind of uh, battle with certain athletes, and and we totally understand when it comes to you know scheduling and whatnot, and you know getting here, whether it's coming and training at AMP or doing it on your own. It's it's all about finding a way to make it sustainable and consistent. And that really, for us, means training at least two to three times a week on a year year round basis. Um, uh, you know, so we're seeing so many overuse injuries in, in especially the sport of baseball and softball, that it's actually athletes that aren't challenging themselves enough. They're not stressing their body enough, so that they've built up the capacity to withstand the stress that they're putting themselves through at practices and games. So let me ask you this. I have a couple of questions that jump out at me. Just knowing 
um, the demographics of your clientele, which is very, very similar to the demographics of my Northeast clientele. Um, but then you have mindsets for different types of people. And for example, um, so my question is, and my, my question is, and his, his, everybody that I've ever trained in my entire life, from the beginning of my career to now, when I go back and look at the, 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 uh, the work ethic and the mentality of that family, the, my athletes that went the furthest in their career and played at the highest levels, <clears throat> it wasn't just about talent. It was the fact that I never had to motivate them. I can name, When I name those players, they never had to get a motivational speech from me. Where are you? What's up? I haven't seen you. What's going on? Everything all right? You know... You didn't get that done. I asked you to get that done. You came back in. You hadn't got that done. I can tell. I can tell that you didn't get that done. Boom. Right. And I can count those people. The percentages. If I, if, I, if I'm talking to my number, my thing is, if I'm talking to a hundred people, I'm talking to five people. So the question becomes: Is it realistic? Do we set realistic expectations on on the average teenager? To have the the um, the mental capacity to actually train year round, because that requires parent participation and willingness. Forget about the money. Like, they, if somebody wants to do something, they're gonna they're gonna figure out the money. So it's just a matter of what's your priority. What are your priorities? But the mental capacity or the will to say, I'm committed to this. I'm really committed to this. And I think the, the problem lies within the commitment level, right, of, of each athlete, as well as the inability to manage my time properly. Because an athlete will say, well, I don't have time, coach. Like, I, I got, my team has practice, you know, I got, I got my schoolwork, um, we're, we're traveling here, we're traveling there, but they have this time. So, you know, what do you say, what do you say to that? So I think what, what you said is, you know, obviously we're working with the same demographics. You, you've got a bunch more years than I do under your belt. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, understanding there is there is reality mm-hmm. and and there are some real things that, that are, that are going to get in your way. So what you said there, you know, talking about the average teenager, the average athlete, Obviously, there's a reason why there's an average. average. And there's a reason why Keyword. there's an above average, yep. right? So yep. we always talk about, you know, you hear this a lot, especially, you know, motivational on social media and whatnot. And we talk about your passion, follow your passion. Um, you, know, <laughs> you have to be passionate in order to to drive success, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So we talk, we actually have uh, you know, a set of our core values. And one of them um, is it's, it's commitment. Right, so being committed to something, you need a, you need a certain level of passion behind it. Right, you have to set your goals, and that has to be the thing that lights your fire on a daily basis. So, we we hear about again that word passion all the time. It's you have to have some level of obsession, and almost you know not to be dramatic, but almost addiction to being successful or to what you're what you're being driven by and what you are being driven toward 
So if your goal is to play at the next level and just barely make it, then, you know, if that's your goal, if your goal is just to get to college, then you'll get to college. You might not, you know, make it all four years. You might not really play much. Mm-hmm. But you, you got you got your goal. That, that was that was your goal. Sometimes you don't have a more a, a specific enough mm-hmm. goal, you know, in order to, to wake up every morning and say, this is what I, I need to do, right? If my goal is to play Division One sport, then I need to focus. I need to hyper-focus on that goal, and that needs to be something that drives me every day. It needs. So what are the things I need to do? I need to get good grades. I need to get my body right. I need to get my skill right. I need to fuel my performance through recovery strategies, through nutrition, and everything that I do, the people that I align myself with, the support staff that I have, all has to be helping me get to that ultimate goal, right? So again, there is average and there are average there is an average for a reason. Now, most people don't strive to become average, right? If you talk to most athletes, if you talk to most parents, if, um, you know, what, what they're looking for and what they are what they want from the experience and from the training, it's not just to be average. It's to be the best version of themselves. Is to maximize their potential, optimize their performance, right? These are all buzzwords. Those are words, right. The end of the day, <laughs> you know, you really need to know what, what you're in it for. So again, going back to another word that you, that you mentioned is prioritizing. Mm-hmm. When you, when I hear that it is not possible to get in and train, and again, this doesn't necessarily mean you have to come to the gym that might be seven, you know, 12, 15 miles on Long Island takes you 35 minutes, mm-hmm. 45 minutes. So I get it, mm-hmm. but where, where else are you going in the day? What else are you doing with your time? And if it really is a priority, then you'll make it happen. You'll make it, you'll move things around. And, and I know there's a lot of sacrifice that, that comes into being a great athlete. There's a lot of sacrifice to, for the athlete. There's a lot of sacrifice for the parents. Um, you know, friendships and whatnot, you know, you, you need to, again, it's, it, it comes down to priorities. And like you said, the, the most successful, we're talking to the 5 to 10%. The people that, it's a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. I train three times a week, and that's just who I am. That's just what I do. We have athletes that um, one of them just recently got drafted. Uh, Kyle Martin played at, at Fordham University. He's a local kid from, from uh, Oceanside. When he was in high school preparing to get to college, he started training with us his, uh, his junior year. He trained 200, and I, I believe it was 240 times in one calendar year. 240 out of 365 days, more than two-thirds of the, the year, he was working on his craft. He was getting his body ready. He was strength training. He was speed training. He was doing his corrective exercises. He was then throwing afterward. He was eating the right stuff. And this is a guy that already had the athleticism, already had the potential. We were the guide, and we, were the, we set out the plan mm-hmm. for him to achieve his ultimate goal, mm-hmm. which was just recently got drafted. Um, and he's doing very well in the Orioles organization. Now, this is a guy, like I've said, you have to have a little bit of a, a, a level of, of obsession over being successful. So who he um, is, so who got countless, yeah. go ahead. who he is contributing to, to, to his ability or capacity to commit. And, and you said, what are sometimes, and I said, what are your priorities or are we prioritizing? But it has making it and being being what you want to be in your sport has to be the priority. Right. It has and, to be and again, the, you know, but and everybody does and, and, and my and, you know the kids that I'm training, everybody doesn't have that. They they just you know, 
they say all those things, you know, they have these words that they say. Like, I'm, I'm passionate, I'm committed. But then everybody has a different definition of what committed means. So, I, and that's the thing. For us, it's a conversation. It's yeah. day one, mm-hmm. setting expectations. The number one thing that you'll be let down by is expecting one thing and getting another. Mm-hmm. Right? So as a strength conditioning coach, and if I, if, you know, you're coming into my business. So this is obviously a business. So we're selling you a membership. We're selling you the a training plan. We're selling you coaching. So yes, there is a sale involved, but if I tell you that all you need to do is is train with us for two months or three months or you know yeah if you only need to tra- if you can only train once a week you'll get to your goals. If mm-hmm. I say that, then I'm setting you up for failure because I'm sh- I'm, I'm setting the expectations that are, that are not going to get to your goal. So the biggest thing is to go into the situation understanding what the what the baseline commitment level is in order to achieve your goals. Right? What is the, the minimal effective dose for you to strength train, eat right, sleep right, and in order to support your 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 goal or your uh, your your ultimate you know goal to, to get to the next level, whatever mm-hmm. whatever that might be, whether it's you know uh, in a sport or just in life in general. So if if I don't do a good job as a coach setting that baseline, then the communication just starts off on the wrong foot. And there are decisions that, you know, if, if, if there are athletes that, that come to us and they can only fit it into their schedule once or two times a week, that's absolutely fine. But we, we let them know right off the bat, if you're looking for increase in power, speed, strength, optimizing performance, you're just not going to accomplish that with one to two times a week. I have a question. And you're not going to accomplish that in a, in a matter of months as opposed to committing to something for, for years okay. you know, or months on end. Can we change a mindset? Because that's, that's, that's in the house. That, that's, you go home, you go home. At the end of the day, every, every athlete goes back to their house where they live, where their mindset is fueled. The mediocre, the lazy, the bare minimum mindset is created in most households, bottom line. We get them for an hour, two hours a week tops. My question is, it's a two-part question. Can we change a mindset as coaches? Can we do that? And of course we can, but is it ha- how difficult is it, is it happening? And two, or do we draw a particular type of player that comes in with a mindset? Like, for example, your brand is going to draw the people up. If you want to make it, you need to be training with TJ. Right? So you're going to automatically draw this, a certain type of mentality. You're not going to draw, like, you know, the kid that just wants to come in and just kind of pitch on the mound, throw some balls, and then and kind of just get ready for high school. They just finished playing all the other sports. or they, You know what I mean? They picked up their glove at the, at, the la- at the latest time possible. You're not drawing that athlete. You're not, that's not the athlete that well, you draw. But I wish we didn't draw, draw it at all. We, we do. You know, we, we get those athletes that see the results of somebody's, you know, you, you, it happens all the time. You know, you pick up a magazine, you, you, you see a celebrity, you see somebody that you haven't seen in a while, they, they're in great shape, they're in the best shape of their life. All you see is the result. You don't see the yeah. hard work, dedication, the 
discipline, the commitment that they took year after year. So we have we draw plenty of athletes that show up, you know, on our doorstep February first to get ready for baseball season. <laughs> so you know, we again we're honest about what it looks like. We say, listen, you know, it, it is very close to your season. You should have come to us, you know, six months ago. But we can we can obviously help you. You know, but we're not. We're just not going to get to your, your ultimate goal. Is to put on 10 pounds of muscle and and throw five miles an hour faster. Let's not set that expectation when that's not going to be the reason. Yeah. And again, it's it's all about whether you know un- having these athletes understand that you know they might get to us late in one off season, but there are plenty of athletes that think that that's the the commitment. Oh, I just got to train two three months and then I'm ready for the season. Great, you could just barely get get through. But then it's the athletes that go through the season. They they do see the you know what we what we talked about day one, and then they maybe come back the next year earlier, and then they're able to commit themselves. And and again, we have you know options that can be a sustainable you know one or two times a week in in season, and then once the off season comes, then they're able to upgrade and, and be able to come in on more of an unlimited basis. So we want it to be something that's sustainable. We don't want to be unrealistic with our goals. But again, it's all about setting expectations, and you know we have, uh, you know, just speaking from our our setup and our our uh, what we have here, we have programs that if they can only come to us once a week, we give them exercises to do on their own at home, whether it's you know with just you know their body weight, set of bands, you know maybe some weights, uh, hotel workouts, or obviously things they can do at their school at a, at a closer gym to home. So we we always recommend that they do more than just that once a week. But we the biggest thing for us is to be the guide and to be the coach that helps them and gives them the, the framework on which they need to they need to just show up uh, on on a daily basis. Let me ask you a question. Okay, um, I'm a high school pitcher. I I I end my fall season. My fall showcase type of baseball season ends, say, Halloween, right? Walk me through from Halloween to second, third week of January. I mean, I'm, I'm going to call that off season. I'm going to call second or third week of, of, of January preseason. And then we'll call spring in season all the way to back to the fall. So, if off-season starts of the weekend after Thanksgiving, I'm sorry, if off-season starts after, after Halloween, give, give me a timeline of what, how hard I'm going to go off-season, but how, what does my maintenance program look like from preseason to in-season going back to off-season? What is, right. So, uh, you know, uh, one, one, one of the good friends of mine and, you know, one of the top coaches in the nation uh, dealing with, with baseball players is Eric Cressy. Yeah. He's up in Massachusetts. He's got a place down in Jupiter, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would say he be, he's become the, uh, the number one voice when it comes to strength and conditioning for, uh, for baseball in general mm-hmm. and more specifically. So what he was talking about recently was that the most successful off-season program starts with a, a good in-season program. 
So if you're coming to us after the season, where this is the first time you're coming to us, or you trained with us last off season and you stopped training with us until baseball is over, then you're probably broken down. I would imagine you probably have some arm pain, some fatigue, limited range of motion. You might have dealt with some injuries. Um, you're most likely not, you know, in optimal physical shape. You probably stressed yourself out as a pitcher, especially. Um, if you're if you're coming after fall ball, which there are, there are some arguments against uh, fall ball, especially for high school and even for some college athletes. Um, so the biggest thing with, with with a baseball player in season is once that season starts, there are so many stopping and starting, so so much stopping and starting when it comes to you know even just the throwing that you start to your your, your ability to withhold, withstand stress becomes less and less the more inconsistent your training and your throwing is. So, um, for instance, if, you, if you're going, if you're transitioning from the high school season to the summer season, mm-hmm. right? You usually, let's just say your team doesn't make the playoffs, and you know you, your last high school game is uh, you know May 25th. You're most likely not going to have your your first travel ball for until like mid June, late June. So that's about a month. Of no throwing and, and you know with, with a team, mm-hmm. no throwing, no uh, no training. So that's a that's a full month off right there. Mm-hmm. Right. Then we're going into the season, and you're going to go right into competitive innings right off the bat. So now you're you're kind of like you you've lowered the amount of stress that you have. And this is something that you know we've talked to Modus about. Um, you know, and, and Ben Hansen. You know, pretty much going over the differences between acute stress and chronic stress and, yep. and workload. And those are things that are that are very important and, and kind of like more in the weeds. Um, but it, it, generally, you have to maintain some level of of consistent stress in the body, so that you you get that constant response. And you're maintaining again, maintenance is a very big thing in season. It's maintaining strength, maintaining power, stability, and whatnot. So now you're going through your summer season, and then you probably shut it down again after uh, you know August. School starts, things transition. So you get another like two or three weeks off, then you're going to go into the fall season, right? Again, fall season, very mismanaged. It's usually once a week where you play on the weekends. You probably don't have many practices. So they're not doing much in between starts and between appearances. So we get this a lot. Um, you know, I've got a few local players that, that that's the biggest thing for them is to, is to just play catch. Only just play catch in between strength train and play catch. So that they're we're making sure that they're keeping their arm live mm-hmm. at least another two or three times a week during during that fall season. That's not ideal, but it's it's the it's the best um, in some cases that it's really all they can do. Um, so it, it's a bit of a loaded question because you know just like anything else in life, you know the, the answer usually is it depends, right? But it it's it's more specifically what does it depend on, mm-hmm. right? So we, we bring them back in in, in October, you know, late October, early November, we reevaluate them. Right, so if they're an athlete of ours, we we'll probably have some some uh, information on them: the flexibility, the range of motion of the joints, um, you know, their movement screen scores, their performance measures. Those are all things that we're going to see. So we usually see a little bit of a drop off in power, in in, uh, in speed, and in range of motion, right, mm-hmm. in their shoulders. So we're going to see a little bit of a, a, a lack of that, um, or you know, and obviously we, we could be dealing with some injuries too. So the, the goal for the month of November is to get back to neutral, right? Get back to where they were flexibility-wise, get back to where they were uh, you know, posture-wise, 
and you know try to get the stress you know, take the stress down off of their body so that probably comes in the form of you know, no throwing or, or minimal throwing uh, for a couple of weeks to maybe upwards of you know six or six or eight weeks you know two months um, there are some athletes that shut it down for longer than that um, but that's probably where we would start with most cases because most athletes aren't training year round. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're gonna we're gonna probably start to introduce uh, some more throwing later in, in the year. You know, probably around uh, you know if we take a month off, and then that means you know mid November after Thanksgiving is when we we're gonna start you know some basic uh, throwing program that might require you know just just having a catch. Um, you know, doing maybe maybe some uh, some ball programming. You know, some some reverse throws, some rotator cuff work. You know, again, we're we're working toward you know going through those motions, but not necessarily stressing the arm or stressing the body more than we than we really have to that early in the off season. But again, we have to start to build up that what we call chronic stress. Uh, again, going back to to the modus language, the chronic stress or the chronic ro- workload requires us. To have to stress the arm on a more consistent basis, two, three, four times a week, mm-hmm. um, in the form of you know having a catch, long toss, um, you know again slowly, gradually building your arm up so that you're not putting too much of an acute stress or, mm-hmm. or, a, or a single throwing session where you're throwing super hard, putting stress on your elbow and your shoulder. Um, so again, back to the, the the original question of you know bringing an athlete in after after Halloween, it really it really depends on those factors of what we have coming in and then also what do we have moving forward what are their goals do they have showcases coming up are they trying out for any teams mm-hmm. um you know do they have any competitive innings before their season starts or are we starting with a clean slate and we're, we know that we're stepping on a mound in late february or or early march um so it's all about timelines it's all about again managing stress as a strength coach our number one thing, the, the number one responsibility of a strength coach is to manage stress, is to manage game stress, um, you know, stress on the body when it comes to, you know, just making sure that you're getting enough sleep, uh, make sure that we're, we're taxing your body properly in the weight room mm-hmm. and, and with your, your speed and agility. Uh, and then also we're making sure that you know, you're eating the right stuff and, and you're, you're refu- refueling your body uh, so that you're able to come back stronger and, and faster. Uh, you know, week after week, month after month. So, um, you know, obviously nothing is a linear path. Nothing is just like, okay, you start today and you just get better and better and better and better. Until mm-hmm. you, just, you know, just are your, your, a major leaper. Um, so again, it's, it's, there's a lot of factors, but again, it, it has, it comes down to getting evaluated mm-hmm. on a regular basis. That's I like to evaluate every three months. We like to be, a, you know, consistently a quarterly evaluation. Most of our athletes who train with us year round get at least three, if not four, evaluations. So that's that the top line, um, you know, numbers or, or the the, uh, the what we call there, there's there's lead indicators and lag indicators, right? We talk, that's more like of a business term. So a lag indicator is something that it just, that's that's the result, right? So the result is their power and their speed. So that's something that we that we evaluate on a regular basis. More of a lead indicator might be something whether the, you know it's it's kind of like the process, the process goal. How many times a week do they train? Are they eating properly? Is, is their is their nutrition being monitored? Um, are they doing the right exercises 
And are they showing up on a daily basis? That's a more of a lead indicator. So that's something that you want to manage on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. A lag indicator is the result. It's the, the evaluation. So are there, is their performance, are their performance numbers getting better? And if the answer is no, then we have to go back to those lead indicators and say, okay, is he hitting his goal of two to three times a week in the weight room? Uh, is he eating right? Is he getting enough sleep? Other, is, is he overstressing or understressing his arm? And those are the things that we need to go back and say, okay, this is how we need to fix these. We need to fix these lead indicators. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the lag indicators or the, or the outcome is better, right? Um, the way I explain that to the athletes is you have an outcome goal and you have process goals. Mm-hmm. The outcome goal is in 90 days to be throwing harder, in, in uh, 365 days to maybe have you know, 20 pounds of muscle, uh, stronger, making a team, whatever it may be, getting to the next level. So those are your outcome goals. Then you have your process goals. So your process goals, we'll have two or three of them. It's train three times a week. It's get eight hours of sleep. It's eat right 80% of the time. Right? So we're not gonna we're not gonna complicate it. As coaches, we like to complicate things, but we need to simplify it for the athlete. Right. So they can focus on two to three things, right? And the, again, we want to make sure that we're giving them as much information and arming them with a, with enough support so that they can make that sustainable and that they can be consistent. Um, and setting those unrealistic goals is just going to set, you up, set yourself up for, for failure. So expectations, goals, all of those things are really important. And it all comes down to communication. If you're not communicating properly, not just to hit that, that athlete, to the parent, to the coaches, to the, to the other um, people that they're, they're with, if that line of communication is closed, then you're not setting yourself up for success, and you're not setting your athletes up for success. Um, so I've, I've heard know, this. So- I've heard this a lot. I've heard scouts say we would rather draft a northeast player, pitcher, when it comes to pitchers, because they don't play year round. And they have a lot more mileage remaining on their arm because they haven't thrown as many innings as the as the warm weather players have thrown because they play year round. Mm-hmm. Um, how 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 important is it that we manage the amount of throws? And obviously, I know it depends, but based on the the assessments that you do and the evaluations that you do and the body types and there the amount of flexibility that somebody may have in their arm. Um, how do you manage throw? How, I know you can't manage throws because you're not at the games, but how do you recommend that an athlete manages throws? Because a lot, so I think sometimes it depends on like the philosophies of the coaches that they play for. Is it health first, win second? Or is it win first, my athlete's health second? Right. Or, you know. And that's something that, it's a constant battle. And, yeah. you know, just the fact that, um, you know, what you're saying is true. You know, the, the arms are recruited in our because they haven't been broken down by the system. Yeah. They haven't been abused. Um, and and again, overuse is not necessarily always the problem. Sometimes it is. Uh, they're undertrained, mm-hmm. and or maybe they're undertrained and then overused in game situations. Mm-hmm. But they they might actually be understressed. They, they probably don't have enough uh, buildup of stress, of, of, of sub-maximal stress, not game innings and, and, and max effort. So they might have been understressed, 
with with submaximal work, and then now they're they're expected to to throw in in competitive innings on a more or on a more consistent basis. So that's something that you know that's an argument for another day. But um, you know when it comes to you know comparing Northeast uh, and the rest of you know this I guess mostly in the, in the South where in where West. a lot of uh, that consistent you know year round. Uh, playing is, um, you know, again, it, it does it does have a lot to do with with the coach's education, understanding what um, what's the best I, what's the best for the athlete. Um, I think we put a little bit too much um, importance on certain times of the year, winning certain times of the year. You know, especially the, the younger the athlete is, does, does a fourteen U championship really matter that much that you're going to put Billy's arm at risk? And, and have him, you know, throw 100 pitches one day and then come in two days later and throw 60 pitches. Like, I don't, I think that's that, that's more to, you know, the, the education of the coach and, and just the, the, whether it's the selfishness, um, as well as, you know, the, the parent's ability to be a part of the process. And, and if you're a parent and you're seeing those things happen, you have to step up. And that's, mm-hmm. again, it's, it's more about, you know, those, those communications beyond the process if you're not getting the, the right answers from the coach that you're looking for, um, and it might not be the best case for you, it might be the, not be the best team for you. They might not be the, the the team that wins the most, but they're all abusing uh, the athletes. That the teams that, that win the most might be the most abusive of their athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was recently uh, I was listening. I believe it was an Eric Cressy podcast. We were listening to uh, talking about uh, it was a, a country soccer. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. This was uh, Coach Mike Boyle, um, who's another you know guy that's, that's been around for forever in, in the strength conditioning uh, world and has pretty much established a lot of the things that we do here. Um, they were talking about a soccer population, and it's uh, they, they they were studying the the, mu- the muscle fibers of these soccer players, and they they were interested and surprised that they did not possess much different muscle fibers than the general population in that region. Um, usually you would expect more fast switch muscle fibers, more uh, you know, explosive motor units in, a, in an athlete than you would in the, in the general population. And what they hypothesized is that the, the problem, the reason why these professional athletes were not much different from the general population is because the best genetic potential athletes were abused so much early in the process that they wound up either wearing them down mentally or physically to the point where they're no longer playing. Where it's either they've, they've mentally fatigued that athlete to the point where they don't enjoy playing soccer anymore, yeah. or they've injured them so often that they're out of the sport altogether. So that it's only the athletes that were maybe just a little bit worse or, or you know let, less uh, genetically um, you know, inclined to be a good soccer player mm-hmm. that are the ones that survive. Because they haven't been abused. It was an interesting uh, conversation. It's obviously not. You can't really prove those things one way or another uh, unless you start these tests early on. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's another one of those things that uh, you know, it's are the coaches abusing the the abilities of, of the, the better athletes, and are they mismanaging? If if you if you have to, like if we, if we say okay, you have to throw X amount of competitive innings. That's absolutely a, a, a must. I get it, but let's do everything in our power to make sure that we're putting them in the best position 
possible. And that requires a very consistent strength training program and a very consistent throwing program year-round and managing stress mm-hmm. um, and building their bodies up. But it, it's, it's, it's a lot of, like, uneducated guesses and un- uneducated, um, you know, just kind of going out there and, and competing. That's where that's where we're going to run into these issues. Now that's, a great, that's a great segue into my next topic because uh, I want to talk to you about... Um, how, how what, what what types of things are you employing at AMP so that you're you don't have a whole bunch of uneducated guessing going on? Um, you have actual proven either through research or with with numbers given to you through technology in, in your program, proven uh, proven proven teaching methods or proven assessment tools and proven assessment tactics um, how does one get involved so if I live in Texas but I'm really interested in your program is there a way for me to become involved in your program to some extent and how are you employing that and what kind of um, what kind of programs do you have coming up this coming late fall early winter off season that, I, that someone can be able to take advantage of Absolutely. I mean, I would say the, the, the best, obviously, the best case is to be in person, uh, mm-hmm. get evaluated by myself, one of our coaches, uh, you know, our coaching staff, um, physically, you know, be, be, be assessed. Uh, it, it always starts, again, with like, kind of a phone call. Um, that's that's where we start the process. Uh, it's a conversation. It's, just, it's discovery, making sure that, uh, you know, what we are uh, setting out to do is possible and again setting expectations is a big big thing for us it's very very important to set those expectations uh, then we put you through our our evaluation right we're going to put you through a movement screen we're going to check your posture we're going to just see how your body moves we're going to see how you know we're going to maybe stress you out a little bit uh, stress you know put you in, in, in different positions um then we're going to you know check the range of motion in your shoulders and your hips we're going to probably test your power your speed um your agility and then those are things that obviously we put those things on paper and then that that's your physical uh, capabilities of that day that moment right so those things are important to a certain extent but at the end of the day we don't compete in, in each sport we're not competing over who can jump the highest who can you know uh you know have the most flexibility and, and the best movement it's all about how you perform on the field so then it's making sure that the program is designed properly uh we have uh obviously in-house training we also have what we call we have virtual coaching uh that we utilize a, a training app uh we utilize a platform train heroic where you'll be able to get our programming to you um you know to your phone we have you know, videos you know exercise demonstrations all of those things that are, that are you know on the virtual end yeah. um but the, the same the same app that our athletes use in-house as well um and then again it's, it's about you know maintaining the, the relationship with the coach and, and there, there are metrics there are you know scientific ways that we can go about these things but one of the most basic things that we need to do is have that keep that line of communication open every day an athlete walks in the door our question is how you feeling did you get enough sleep last night how was your game last night uh what do we have coming up this week mm-hmm. hey i haven't seen you in a couple of days is everything okay it's a, it's a conversation so you know understanding what that athlete can handle on a day-to-day is very important we start seeing on a regular basis that the athletes come dragging in the door and we also have a, a pre-participation uh, questionnaire a readiness questionnaire yeah. on that train heroic app and every day it asks them how about 
their soreness, their sleep quality, their energy level, and their mood, right? So if we, if we get a lot of red, you know, it's, it's pretty much red to green, you know, I'm, I'm in a bad mood, I'm very sore, I think it's on a, on a rated scale of uh, one to five. Um, so if we're getting a bunch of twos and ones and threes on a regular basis, it, it gives it's another red flag for us, especially athletes that are that are virtual, um, because we're not having those 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 uh, one-to-one conversations, um, you know. But but as as coaches, we're people, and as clients, as an athlete, as athletes, we're people, mm-hmm. right? And we're communicators. So there's a lot of nonverbal communication, um, you know. And, and sometimes you kind of kind of pull it out of people and, and find out, okay, what's the what's the real thing that's holding you back from your performance? And that's where. Uh, you know, again, we're, we're looking for something that's sustainable. If we're, if we're overloading the athlete mm-hmm. with too much, then, you know, we're going to make sure that we're going to pull back just a bit on certain things and make sure that, you know, the type of training that we're doing is not fully taxing their nervous system to the point where they're tired all the time. Um, that they're supporting their goals with nutrition. And then we might, those three things that we talked about before, those three lead indicators, you know, if, 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 if they're not, need to focus on that a little bit more. And then maybe we need to give them, give them uh, different ways and different tactics on how to get to sleep on time and mm-hmm. how to get your, your work done so that you're not thinking about it. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a way to, you know, turn your phone off and, and set, you know, set a, set a PM alarm instead of just an AM alarm, right? A get to bed alarm, or maybe it's uh, a, a certain type of supplement or a way that you're eating or having caffeine too late in the day. Those are all things that are going to affect your, your sleep. But if you don't understand that, as a coach, our job is to cut out those steps and, and, and make sure that you're not just guessing and we're, we're giving you these, these tangible things that you can then do. And then when you, you come back a week later and we say, hey, we're still having the same problem. Did you do the things that we asked you to do? Did you, you know, maybe, you know, take some, some melatonin before you go to bed, which, which is probably the last case of the words, hey, did you stop, you cut off coffee? by 10, 11, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, um, you know, or, or did you drink coffee up until nine o'clock at night and you don't know why you can't fall asleep. You're not getting restful sleep. You might be falling asleep, but you're not getting restful sleep. So those are all things, again, um, it's, it's all about being, and that's one of the things about being consistent and being around a coach. It's not just about training. It's not, you're not just paying to lift weights in the weight room. You're not just paying for us to put you through a workout. You're also a part of our community, and you're also a part of our, you know, our family. I, I, we talk about family all the time. I, my staff, our athletes—they're all part of our family. And, and if you know, another thing that we that we have up on the walls: if you succeed, we succeed. And we need to do our best as coaches. You know, psychology is a huge thing. So, you know, we, we, we talk about it all the time. As coaches, you're you're a therapist as well. Sometimes you're just going to have to help people through other things, other tough things in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and for athletes, it's a lot. There's a lot. High school athletes, social media, homework, schoolwork, you know, they're going traveling on the weekends. There's so much stress mm-hmm. that can break. So we need to, again, manage that stress by maybe our, our program needs to be a little bit less, you know, less uh, sub maximal, or maybe you just need to hop on the bike for 20 minutes just to get the blood flowing mm-hmm. and go home, you know, or just stretch for the day or just hop on the, the compression boots or just have a protein, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have to be able to change that on a day-to-day basis. And that's the part of coaching. You know, there's a science of coaching. There's writing the best program in the world. But again, if it's not sustainable, if 
we can't be consistent with it, if we're breaking athletes, then we're not making them better. So um, it's finding that effective dose, and that, that comes to the day, that's a day-to-day conversation um, and communication that, that we just have to make sure um, make sure that we're doing our best as a coaching staff to, to continually just work toward that, is, is finding that effective dose and finding the program that fits the athlete, their lifestyle, their mindset, um, and, and raise their level in, in more than just, you know, raising the bar, you know, off the ground. <laughs> okay. Last and final question. Number one physical attribute of the best athletes you coach. Number one mental attribute of the best athletes you've ever coached. And that's a tough one. That's another tough one. <laughs> that's why I asked you. <laughs> I mean, it really, a lot of it has to do, the, the most successful athletes, I wouldn't say that there's one specific thing, but they are pretty much genetically predisposed to being good at their sport. And what that means is, you know, it's it's kind of, uh, you know, obviously CeCe Sabathia, we brought him up in the beginning. Mm-hmm. He's a big guy, right? Very big, 300 pounds about on up. Um, he's super flexible, really long arms, really long legs. He's got ability, an unbelievable ability to separate his hips and shoulders. And he has a, an unbelievable flexibility in his arms. And he's also a very strong and athletic guy. Mm-hmm. So he was pretty much picked by God to throw baseball. Yeah. Right? Just like Michael Phelps was picked to, to swim, right? He's got those long arms, short torso, short legs. Um, <laughs> you know, and then there are athletes on the other end of the spectrum that um, they might have other things that, that, that predispose them to being good at a, at a certain sport. They might have more of a fast switch muscle fiber or, um, or something along those lines. So um, you know, there's, there's is, is, is there, I guess is there, a common, is there a common denominator? Of the most physical, physical, physical plane and mental plane of the best athletes you coach, and what is probably that I mean, mostly, one that jumps out? You know, physically, if you don't have a strong lower half, if you don't have, you know, strong hips, a strong core, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to be very good at, at many sports. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, obviously there's there's the compensators, there's the guys that are able to like just you know mask their their deficiencies by, um, but but at the end of the day, I think most athletes. The, the biggest thing, you know, the, the biggest part of your body or the strongest part of your body are your glutes, right? Your butt. Mm-hmm. So um, if you have a strong, strong hips, you're most likely, that's going to transfer to a lot of different sports. So working on lower body strength, I would say it is very, very important for every single sport out there. Um, so when, when it comes to, you know, like the strongest part of somebody's body or the physical attribute, I would say that's probably pretty, pretty damn important. And it's something that we, we stress we work uh, every every program has a lot of uh, you know every day of the week usually we have something that we're working on lower body whether it's flexibility or, or strength or stability mm-hmm. um, and then mindset it really the most successful mindset is a little bit of obsession and it's it's a daily pursuit of getting better and and it's it's uh, that's probably you know the most important thing is is their ability to be consistent and that all has to do with prioritizing what you need what, what, what that goal is um, and you know you've got to be you know competitive and and that competitiveness is gonna is gonna force you mm-hmm. to prepare better yeah and it's gonna force you 
to be more consistent because you know that somebody else might be working harder than you, right? Mm-hmm. It's always the same. There's somebody down in Texas that's taking more fly balls, it's taking more this, more that. Now, in some cases, it is a little bit misinformed. You know, I, I'm not too happy about what's going on in certain sports, you know, even basketball. You know, you hear about these guys like, you know, I woke up at 5 a.m. and I was at the gym at 5.15. And then, oh, well, I woke up at 4.30 and I was at the gym at 4.45. And then, you know, Jimmy Butler showed up to the practice at 3 a.m. And now everybody else is going to try and out, you know, <laughs> undersleep each other. Right, so, right, right. you know, there, there are certain things that, you know, you don't have to be on – out on the field for 10 hours a day. You don't have to be Kobe Bryant, um, you know, and have that type of a work ethic because most people don't possess the ability to do that and and, and the, the ability to, to withhold that stress. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, it's, it's finding the, the effective dose for yourself and understanding yourself, being self-aware and making sure that you're not overdoing it just because somebody else is. Right. You have to find what's right for you. And that's where the coaches come into play. And as a professional coach, our God, our job is to be your guide, and if, if we're guiding you toward the wrong thing and just pressuring you to do things that maybe you're not unable to handle or you're you're not ready for mentally or physically, then we're again we're setting yourself up for for, for failure instead of success. Um, you know, so again, it, it's it's you know maybe maybe self awareness might be the, the number one thing when it comes to mindset mm-hmm. and understanding what what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you need to expect out of yourself in order to get the best, uh, the best version of yourself. So, um, yeah, those are tough questions, man. Those are loaded and tough <laughs> at the same time. But um, you know, it's definitely something that uh, that we think about a lot. I think mm-hmm. it's something that you know, again, it's it's, it's, it's all it's all a one to one. It's it's a it's an end of one. There's no like true, you know, perfect recipe for everybody. It's it's everybody has a little bit of a difference of, of need. Um, and want, and and uh, you know, we again, we need to do our best to just be the guide and, and help motivate the way. And you know, most most of the athletes are, are doing most of that themselves. They're the ones that are successful. Um, and like you said, you know, if you got a cold teeth to get them in the door, then they're probably it might not be the number one priority, which is okay too. Mm-hmm. You know, plenty of our athletes switch from I, being I, focused on sports I mean, to being the, focused on school. The conversation is different for me with different types of athletes based on how into it they really are. So right. the, com- the conversation is different. And if you change, then the conversation will change. Right. You know, and I think that's sometimes we try to have, some- sometimes, you know, we try to, people people try to have, here's the conversation that I want to have with everyone, but everyone doesn't, not interested in having that conversation. But every- or everyone's not going to benefit fully from that conversation. But sometimes I like to have, especially when I'm working in a group session, is I'll have, I'll be having the conversation with the more elite athletes, and 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 when I use the word elite, I mean elite in their level of commitment, elite in their lifestyle. They have the lifestyle of an elite athlete, which is not is something different than just you want to just say you're elite because you're on a team that's elite. It's all about the support system mm-hmm. around them and the foundation mm-hmm. that they have, which is all about upbringing. Right? You might not have the best parents in the world, but you might have been able to, um, you know, withstand the most stress early on and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, prioritize what you're good at. You know, again, we're all predisposed to be good at something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has a lot to do with experience. And, you know, even though we, we, we train kids that are as young as, you know, 11 and 14 years old, they've, they've got 11 or 14 years of experience in their life 
with with the people that are that are around them. So, um, you know, a lot of times it has to do with with that support at home, um, and then we do our best to to be the best example of what that athlete might need uh, on a daily basis to to be you know, to make this the place that they they feel comfortable and they feel motivated by mm-hmm. and supported by and and. Uh, and we're out, we're out there cheering for them, um, you know, and pushing them and, and, and challenging them at the same time. So, um, you know, that's, that's a big part of the equation. So this has been great. And um, what I want to do next time is I'd like for us to, to, to go into a conversation on what um, the mobile labs are going to look like in terms of what people can expect, what, what we want to get out of it, what we want to be able to communicate to the athletes. Um, whether it's in the within the experience and then obviously obviously after the experience so we can kind of direct them in a way to go based on what happened in the lab so um you know maybe uh maybe next couple of weeks we can get together and uh and spend 30 30 45 minutes on just kind of talking about that stuff yeah absolutely um, i think think, you know those are the things you know look look forward to that uh you know information coming out where we're going to be running these events these evaluation events and the follow-up is going to be the coaching and the, and the plan mm-hmm. and, and the communication. Uh, you know, again, we're the guys. We're the support. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to do the work as the athlete. And, and you have to be the one that, that prioritizes uh, making time. And you're not always going to find it. You have to make it. You have to make That's time. Right. Um, and, and again, you know, it's everything from what you put in your body, the people you surround yourself with, the, minds, the, the mindset you have, the words that are in your head, the amount of sleep you get, all of those things are, are, are going to be a part of of the process so uh thanks again coach uh you know this, this has been fun thank you um if anybody wants to find out some more information about what we do here at athletic movement protocol um you can find us at ampathletes.com a-m-p-a-t-h-l-e-t-e-s.com uh you can give us a call at 516-802-0152 you can call or text that number uh, 516-802-0152 uh, or you can shoot me an email or you know, there's, there's so many ways to get a hold of people these days yeah, yeah. But, uh, my email is tjlopez at ampathletes.com and you can always find us on social media as well amp underscore athlete there's so many different things <laughs> but uh, thank you so much I, you know, I love talking about this stuff it's obviously what I'm passionate about um, and, you know, and our goal is to every athlete that we work with is to put them on the path for success and again set those expectations and then set our goals and, and crush them one day at a time alright this is Rob Cruz Transcendence Court streaming everywhere you can stream we out I want to thank you all for checking out our human performance series on the Transcending Sport Podcast. Also, to commemorate the partnership between myself and Diamond Kinetics, we are offering a discount for all purchases made at DiamondKinetics.com. When you type in the discount code CG at checkout, you will get a discount on your entire order.